0: In this episode of The Philly Blunt, we sit down with Feminista Jones at the Salt Town Tavern at Princeton and Tarsdale. Feminista is an award-winning blogger, activist, author, feminist, and kingster. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, leave us reviews on iTunes, and follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all as The Philly Blunt. And visit our website, thephillyblunt.com, for photos and extra material.
1: We just had an event um, for Black Kingsters, and I'm there, and I'm just here to enjoy myself, just kind of like, oh, I want to get my nasty on. I got my whips, I got my ropes, I'm ready to go, where's the food, you know?
2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. I'm Reef. Hey, this is Violations Craig. And, Greg. and uh, we are very excited to have our guest here this evening, and that is Miss Feminista Jones. Welcome to the program. Thank you
1: so much. I'm so happy to be here, guys. Appreciate it. This is awesome. Super stoked about
2: this. Yes, oh, absolutely. Well, I want to start with how, uh, how did you come up with the name Feminista Jones?
1: Well, um, one of my favorite genres of film is black exploitation. I think it is the most subversive genre of film ever. And yeah. so I think it's um, peak blackness. And so there's a character Cleopatra Jones mm-hmm. that I've loved uh, played by Tamara Dobson and she's six, she was 6'2 and you know I'm tall and mm-hmm. you know I just kind of wanted to signify on that a bit and then being a feminist it was like, you know, feminista yeah, I like that. Um, and I started doing an advice column, and so I would sign it on my blog as Feminista, mm-hmm. or we'd be Ask Feminista, so I took that on. And it stuck, and it's great, and then I trademarked it, and so here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I wanted to start
3: off by asking, um, service is the debt you pay for your life. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
3: As the son of an uh, activist yeah. who's very, very in the streets always. Yes. Um, Shout out to that person. Yes, my mama. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead, for sure. Mama. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you um, with uh, being involved in activism and having a mom that was in activism. Mm-hmm. How do you balance between your life and not letting that overcome it? Because mm-hmm. for a long time, um, you know, even to this day, it's it's hard for me to. I respect it And I love my mom Is Mm -hmm. always out there But there was a lot of stuff That me and my sister missed Because Mm -hmm. she was so focused Mm -hmm. on How do you not let the work Take Mm -hmm. over your life Because it's a lot of work
1: Well yeah No it absolutely is And the thing is Is that like Unlike a lot of people, like, I do this for a living. Mm-hmm. So I, when I decided to become a social worker is because I wanted to fight against hunger and homelessness mm-hmm. and I got into housing and homelessness. And with that is the larger issue of poverty, right? right. So I, having been born into poverty and mm-hmm. having experienced, you know, these mm-hmm. things that I'm fighting against now, for me, it was like, no, this is my life choice. Yeah. And so I'm going to try to make a career out of this and, and educate myself and, and become skilled and learn. So for me, it's like, This is not something I turn on or off on the weekends. Mm. It's not just me throwing around. It's like every single day I'm working at this, and I have been for 17 years now. Um, And so bringing my son into this. My son knows he's just like, he wants to be like me, right. you know? So I started taking him to protests and stuff when he was like seven and mm-hmm. I got pictures of him with his nice, fist nice up. <laughs> he, he loves it. His dad is like, okay, please don't get him killed, right. you know, that kind of thing. But <laughs> right. um, no, he, he's loving it. And I think about that, right? So I have mellowed back. I have mellowed down about I don't do as much as that stuff. I'm not as much on the front lines anymore because it's a very real risk. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the other day, police just randomly pulled me aside for like turning um, for not turning my, my signal on Mm -hmm. onto my own block in North Philly. Come on. Like, and it was right around the anniversary of the national moment of silence. I'm not stupid. Like I know what this is. So I have to be very careful about that. But, I'm happy because every day my work is activism. Absolutely. Every day I'm fighting against the Absolutely. system. So
3: for yeah. yeah, those who for those who don't know or are aware, can you explain what the National Moment of Silence mm. was? It's a very important movement.
1: Oh, thank you so much. No problem. So the National Moment of Silence happened August 14th, um, 2014, and this was in response to Michael Brown being killed uh, mm-hmm. by police in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot of people talking about like, what can we do? What can we do? They wanted to have like these little rallies and stuff. And I said, like, well, wait a minute. I saw people were really angry because Eric Gardner has just had just been killed right. and like there was it was something picking up and I remember uh, James Brown when Dr. King died he right. put on a, a concert yeah. to calm people down right. and I said well maybe we can come together in a way that will calm people down because I felt like people were raging like something ugly was going to happen right So um, I saw some people talking about getting together in New York and I said, why don't we just do a whole moment of silence, like across states, across cities, across wherever and get everybody together in one space. And I said, who wants to join me? Mm -hmm. And then people were like, I got Atlanta. I got Detroit. Mm -hmm. I got Philly. I got Chicago. Like people who had never organized before were like, I will host this event here. Mm -hmm. And so it ended up over the next four days, Ended up turning into, and I tell people this all the time, I say it with pride, not for myself, but for all the people involved. The single largest uh, demonstration against police brutality in modern American history. Okay, so we're talking hundreds of thousands of people. We're talking five countries. We're talking Mm -hmm. all these people coming together at the same moment. To protest police brutality. And so that happened four years ago. um, And I worked with amazing, amazing, amazing people, 80% of which had never done anything like this before. And I wanted to encourage people and say, you don't have to wait for a leader. Mm -hmm. You are that leader. And so out of that, um, DeRay McKesson, Mm -hmm. he went to one and started his work. Uh, Leslie McFadden, who started um, Safety Pin Box, like she went and did that. She did the Ferguson response. Like a lot of people that had never really done major stuff Mm -hmm. got started because of the National Moment of Silence. And that's all I wanted to do was to spark that in people. Like, you can do this. It don't take much. Mm -hmm. Show up with a sign on the corner. People will come. And so... You know, kind of having that legacy was really important. So, so that's what that was. As
0: you were planning that and going yeah. through, did you feel a certain energy? Like you knew oh something gosh. special was happening. Oh my
1: mm-hmm. gosh! Like it was really amazing because I was just like every I was working with um, Freedom Side. Um, it's a great organization. These two gentlemen who are like, we'll help you with the details of things because I was like, yo, this is growing really big. Mm-hmm. I had reached out to so many different groups, none of them responded right. except for Dream Defenders were the only ones, and they connected me with Freedom Side, right. and then. When it was all said and done, every organization was right, involved, right? So you, see, happens, you see pictures yeah. of Jesse yeah, Jackson yeah, yeah. walking yeah, yeah. and all this yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. I was like, I need people to help me, and nobody right. would help me. So I said, we're going to do it ourselves. Right. And so every time they interviewed me, they were like, well, who, what organization are you with? I was like, I'm not with an organization. I'm with the American people.
0: One of the things, I I, I, I was listening to a, one of your speeches at a Swarthmore. I don't know if it was the I, only yeah, one at Swarthmore. Yeah. So, and you one. T- yeah, one, yeah, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about how... Like, we're, we're kind of like, they rigged the system so we're all divided. Oh, absolutely. So how
1: how do we overcome that? How um, do we unite? Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, I think the key to unity is, like, r- really starting inward and, like, how much bullshit have we internalized, right? As, as a man, as a woman, as a white person, as a black person, as a rich person, poor person, how much have you internalized about this identity that you have that makes you think that you're different from the next person? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that work is really difficult for us to do because it means divesting of the privileges that come with these things. And we're not really ready to let that go. Right. So I think that in order for us to come closer to each other, we have to shed some things. We have to let some things go and find the commonality, right? Mm-hmm. So if liberation is the goal, every one of us, every single person in this world has personal freedoms that they're seeking, right? right. There's ways in which, so how do we connect on those? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that that's where a lot of that work has to, has to happen. I can't do what I do without, you know, people working with other people that don't mm-hmm. look like me or aren't right, me. Right. Um, but it, I'm not going to do the work for them, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to teach you how to be a better person to come stand beside me. I need, when you show up next to me, that you've already figured this out, you've already worked through your stuff, or you're still working through it, Mm -hmm. and you're ready to go, Mm -hmm. because we're about to go in, (laughs) you know, and I don't have time to stop and try to teach you how to go in, (laughs) you know? You need to know what to do. You need to know what
2: to do. Noam Chomsky, I think it was, said that um, to people who have been in power... Equality seems like oppression. And it's, yeah, it seems so, like oppression its Yeah, hard. so people do you feel like people are pushing back oh. on this movement pretty hard? I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I mean Trump's president. So there's right. obviously been a pretty serious pushback right. on
1: this. No, they, they um they got a half black man to be their president and they lost their damn minds. And he wasn't even a descendant of enslaved people, which was funny to me. I was like they'd have shot his ass if he really right. if he was, right? right. <laughs> That's just my personal no, thoughts. No. Um but no it, it definitely but what it, what it, what it was a reminder to those of us who have been known mm-hmm. is that this country was founded on isms mm-hmm. racism sexism you know all these kinds of things and pulling back the la- the layers of it it's like you only need one thing to happen right. for all of that to fall away and that was trump becoming the mm-hmm. president because then they feel empowered to do whatever they want. He's a donkey. Right. Of course. I'm a New Yorker. We knew this man. <laughs> <Right. as a laughs> <Right. dumper. laughs> we grew up with him being clowned by the post and the daily news <laughs> right. every yeah. single day, yeah. like just right. about, you know, and I, and I always said, I said earlier, I said, he just wants redemption. He just wants people to just think of him as not being completely foolish. Right. Um, and I but I don't think he ever wanted to be president, right? right? right. So here he we was are. like,
3: Oh shit. Definitely,
1: to. right? Yeah. So here we are, like kind of facing the, the truth that white America is splintered, mm. right? We cannot say that all white people are racist, they're mm. not you may benefit from racist systems but sure. that's but there's a splintering there in which those who are racist and hold on to this bigotry found their power right. and their power is coming from small towns that mm-hmm. have strong influence right. on things right. and so they're leveraging that power so what does that mean for the rest of us right we need to find out how to leverage our own power yes. right mm-hmm. so yeah
3: i,
2: I I've heard, i'm sorry uh, i've heard some people say that um, trump being elected was actually in some ways good for the left because it created that sort of groundswell of energy. Do you feel like there's more energy now than there was before he came
1: into power? No, I think that's bullshit. Um, I'm sorry. The left is trash too. Um, I'm going to be honest. Um, When it comes to, you know, (laughs) when it comes to freedom, nobody wants to see the people who have been in chains freed because... What do you have to stand over? Right? if black people are are equal if women are equal, if queer people are equal, how are you separating yourself? So that happens on the left as well as the right and let's not be fooled, right? I have to deal with like, I'm a feminist, I'm an open feminist Mm -hmm. I have to deal with white women who claim to be feminists who are just racist as hell and I'm like, these two things cannot coexist That was actually going to be one of my questions (laughs) You you These things cannot coexist, Mm -hmm. you know, like you cannot say that you're a feminist while you are a racist Mm -hmm. Um, and having to deal with them but a lot of times, it's just ignorance due to lack of exposure. So mm-hmm. going back to that earlier point about how do we unite, sometimes it's like sitting around like this and bringing folks together to have those important conversations. Because I don't, um, no, don't want to hear nothing Becky got to say. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> At
3: this point, well, I mean, it also, I'm mean,
1: like, shut up. For, for me, it's like there are people that are
3: clearly not racist, but they're not checking the, oh, the yeah. racism around them. And that, for me, yeah. when it's like we need to do more right. to unite, it's like I don't got to do shit. Right, you right. know what I mean? I'm not the one out here trying to ruin your life
1: right similarly as a woman like what happens with us men see and they don't check their friends right and they don't check the men around them and that's why we Mm -hmm. continue to deal with what we deal with and so being black and being a woman it's that duality and understanding that yes uh, I see why you're mad and I see why you're mad like white woman I see why you're mad black man I see why you're mad because this is what my life is you know Um, and it's it's all about holding ourselves accountable I've had to hold myself accountable for Mm -hmm. things am I like learn unlearning ableism, unlearning transphobia, unlearning all these kinds of things to try to grow as a person. The bottom line is we're all human beings. Right. And we all have a right to live. Right. Yeah. And that's it. Just to piggyback
2: on what Reef just said, you said in a speech last year, I'm not interested in white allies. What I really want is co- are co-conspirators. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about what you meant by that?
1: Yeah, I don't believe that allies exist. And the reason why I say that, I actually broke it down by definition. So to allies and alliances represent a mutual benefit. And so when people talk about being allies, there's no mutual benefit to being an ally. A straight person is not going to benefit from the liberation of queer people. Right. You're not. <laughs> um, a white person is not going to benefit from the liberation of black people and a man to, with women. So if there is no mutual benefit, then there's no alliance. You're not allies. You're not on the same level. Right. What I need you to do, and I say this all the time, is be a good person. Because mm. if you're a good person, then you affirm everyone's humanity and you will fight for everyone. And you want everybody to be free. And so I just need you to show up when these things come up. Not just when a black man is killed by police and you show up because you know everybody's going to be there. What about the black trans woman that was killed by police? Mm, You see what I'm saying? Like, the Waffle House situation is a big one. It's a gay black man who was, you know, beat up by Mm -hmm. police. Hardly any words. People can't even name him. Yeah. Right? So we have to talk about that right. we it's, have to talk about it,
3: that it seems sometimes that some of the m- one of the most divided playing fields is, is feminism and mm-hmm. activism mm-hmm. when you have you know like you said earlier with, with white feminists or you have black men that won't support what's mm-hmm. going on with, the, with mm-hmm. the gay brothers and sisters mm-hmm. where, where is that division like is that learned and we can mm-hmm. unlearn it or do you think it's just everyone's out here trying to just get their their, 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 their fame off of being a part of this quote, quote unquote movement no. they'll talk about <laughs> yeah. being you know down for their brothers and sisters no. but they only mean one one part no, you know that's I mean? real,
1: that's real. Um, it's funny when you ask the question like, can that be unlearned? Yes, it can. Mm-hmm. And I say that because every day I have someone who is not like me telling me that they have learned things from me so much to helped them change their life. I've had black men say, I would have never thought about these things had I not followed you or read this or learned this I've had white women say that I've had white men like I have all kinds of people to just say you know what <laughs> you totally changed my mind on this mm. so people are paying attention and they want to learn things that you can't help that you were taught in school if mm. your school was shitty you know right, like right. but when you have an openness and a willingness to learn that's where it happens and I see see it. I, there's people I have followed. I've been on Twitter for almost 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And I've watched people grow and evolve in their way of thinking just by who they're exposed to. For sure. so we can unlearn a lot of that. Other people, it's just a platform for them to be right. ugly like that, right. you know, so
3: if I was actually uh, privy to a debate online mm-hmm. between people that felt that uh, there was one side that felt like unless you're out here in the mm-hmm. street, you're not really a part of it and there are yeah. other people that felt like I'm doing as much as I can yeah. with the platform that I can yeah. I have. Yeah. If I have, you know, ten thousand followers yeah. and I'm sharing information about a protest that that's is quote though, that's, unquote that's activist. Huge. Do you do you think oh, that it's absolutely. a different word for it?
1: No, I you know what? There's <laughs> The ableism in mm-hmm. you didn't show up mm-hmm. is is tough. As somebody who lives with agoraphobia, as right. somebody who has dealt with street harassment since I was 11, mm-hmm. I don't always want to show up. Right. <laughs> I don't always want to be in a public space. Right. And I live with anxiety and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's like, how do we account for folks who struggle just to get outside the door? Right. right? It's not fair to say you don't care because you didn't come to this. What if I can't walk? Mm-hmm. What if this space that you had, this protest, is not wheelchair accessible? Right. Right. We have to think about all those things. And mm-hmm. so, yes. If you have ten, twenty thousand 20,000 followers and you just simply hit retweet, all those people now have information they may not have had a few seconds ago. That's powerful. That's how we were able to do the National Moment of Silence in four days. Right. Four days. We organized something that probably would have taken two years, right. 50 years ago, because people retweeted, because they shared. They said, I can't go out, but I can donate $5. Right. I can't donate $5, but I can share this. I can write my senator, you know. Mm-hmm. Every part counts, and I and I've talked about this. Like, there's there's so many ways to get involved in this liberation work. There's no one prescription for how you you know you you go about Don't fighting the power. I, you know, sure.
3: You have like six, seven degrees or something like that. <laughs> four masters a doctorate more than all of us combined <laughs> you got a dentist you got a dentistry joint I help a, animals yeah vet joint uh, I, we are seeing a decline in in education mm-hmm. and people just college degrees don't mean anything anymore you yeah. need you need six degrees to get a job mm-hmm. at McDonald's now look that's how so important is education you how important mm. has it been and, and why do you think it's on the, on the decline or is it I might be reading wrong information
1: you know you know what um consumerism, it relies on ignorance, yeah. right? So um, when they, the, the economy shows a forecast of downturn, they're going to mess with education because mm. they, they want to make sure that people are stupid enough and ignorant right, enough right. to be the consumers they need to, them to be when they're older. And so I the, the American public school system, I remember reading some article and it was just like, um, something. the title was just like Stupid Americans or something like that. It really, <laughs> it really went into mm. like how... Unintelligent we are, and how the education that people received 50 years ago, it's like that's why you could get a 40 year job with a high school diploma. Right. You actually learn shit. Right. These days, it's nothing. And right. so the bachelor's degree becomes that thing. As somebody who goes and speaks at a lot of schools, I'm often taken aback by what they don't know. Right. You know, from when I went, right, right many moons ago, <laughs> all the times that I was in school, um, I was just, I'm, I'll, I'll say something and I'm looking for some, like, yeah, yeah. They don't blank stares. Right. And I'm like, how do you not know this? Right. You know. So I do think that education is important. But education that's standardized is standardized for a reason. It's designed to teach you what mm. the government wants you to teach you. So I say that Nicki Minaj is not in the top 10 female lyricists of all time because I, I, I think Complex to, is supposed to issue I was like she's not even top 10 mm-hmm. um, and so of course the barbs come for me right they Like, come yo know, what's up with the barbs so it's psychosis yeah, I think man. it's not it's not well, terrifying and that's why I don't engage a lot because I'm like this is not well you're not well Right? but <laughs> you're not I'm not trying to be funny like I have a little bit but yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's there's something missing yeah, here that you yeah. find in this community right. and you know, whatever. So I'm like, no, she's not. I was like, I can name 10 that are better. So I did. I was like, I can name 10 more, that are, you know, better lyricists and having to engage people who are just like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, bitch, I'm a hip hop journalist. Right, that's what Like, I do. this is what I do. Like, would you like my bylines? Right. Like my next book is going to be about hip hop. Like it, it, it's just, I don't, I don't have time. To go back and forth mm-hmm. with people who try to challenge me on my areas of expertise, mm. not saying I'm perfect, right. but, that, at that's, least, that's insulting. but at least right. be on my level, yeah. at least be somebody who's done the work in the scholarship yeah. to be able to, to have that conversation. Um so when somebody said they were like yeah well you said that Remy Ma is not a better lyricist I said oh hell
2: no, <laughs> I'm like all right, all right all right so who is the number 1 female lyricist of all
1: time oh god this is Mr. Raphead over here so <laughs> this will, this will, the whole podcast will turn into this the number the number one female lyricist we're I'm talking even... we're talking lyricists oh, i don't
0: that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. I can give well, you three. Can I okay, give you three? Yeah, sure. yeah go three. Can that's I give three. you
1: three? Yeah. Shoot for three. Yeah. Yeah. We're going with Lyricist, mm-hmm. Ball Time,
3: mm-hmm. Rod Digger. Ooh. Okay. Nice. Shout out to Jersey.
1: Um, Left Eye. Uh, rest in yeah. peace. Yep. And Lauren Hill, El Boogie. El Boogie, for sure. If we're talking like straight lyrics, we're not talking beats, we're not talking me, like we're talking bars, like those are my top three. Right. And I think Left Eye gets slept on because of TLC, but that woman could spit. Yeah, she could spit. Yeah, for
0: sure. You've touched on um, you've mentioned anxiety. Yeah. So I've been suffering with anxiety most of my life. Yeah. Like what kind of coping skills or mechanisms do you use to get through with that?
1: Yeah, I take drugs. Yeah. yeah right on. <laughs> no, like like a uh, lots of drugs. Yeah. Um, no, I do take um, psychotropic medications okay. to kind of level things. Yeah. Um I, I you know and honestly it's um it's about there's 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 things that I need to do. Like sometimes it's hard to get out the door and I have to be like, okay. I have to do some breathing exercises. I have to kind of really think. And I remind myself, you're going to a job that you love and you are helping people. You are going to speak in front of people who need this message. You are going to change a life. Mm -hmm. And there are people that will still hit me up now. They heard me speak years ago and they're like, you changed my life. You helped me major in this. You made me take this job. My whole trajectory changed. So the fact that I know that I can still do that and change lives just by showing up it helps me work through it. But honestly, I have those days where I'm like, I can't do this. Can I plug my book real quick? Yeah. So, <laughs> push <laughs> going push the button. Yeah, well, push the button. So there's few, right? So Push the Button was my first book, and it was about BDSM and kink. And I wrote it in response to Fifty Shades of Grey, which was awful. Right. And I was like, I can do better than this. Yeah. And I don't even like erotica, but I was like, I can do better right, than this. Right. So I wrote that very, very popular book. Thousands thousands of copies mm-hmm. sold around the world great it's all published by the way nice um, but the book that i have coming out in january called reclaiming our space one of the section one of the chapters is on sex positivity and what it's like to be a black woman in the sex positive movement mm. so what it means is that you are looking at sex from an affirming point of view not a shaming point of view mm-hmm. right now on my timeline is this whole thing people are mad at me because i said virginity isn't real okay and they're like well what do you mean it's not real well it's not real you know and, and they're like well what do you call someone who hasn't had sex? I was like, a person who hasn't had sex. <laughs> you know, it's hard for people to, to, to even, because language like unites us, right? So we have a language, we have an understanding of something. When somebody comes along and says, your understanding of this is wrong, people are just like, well, no, no, no. Well, what do you call somebody who's never had sex before? You would call them a person who has never had sex before. You want to say virgin. I'm like, this is a religious, this is a uniquely religious, you know, concept. I never thought of it like that. If you believe in that, that's fine. But for those who are not religious, there's no need for this. It's the language we have. It's the word we have. But it's the word that's mostly applied to women. And so somebody was asking and I said, you know, virginity was something that was bartered, you know, from father to man as like a thing to be acquired. I said, that was not happening for men. I said, so I reject that. And and so somebody was like, well, my hymen says different. I was like, you know you can have sex without breaking your (laughs) hymen? I was like, you know you can break your hymen riding a bike? Like, you know some people were born without them. Some people have babies and still have them. Like, you're all stupid. Like, again, that's when it gets to that part where I'm like, I'll say this, I'll give a couple of tweets to share, but then I realize you're stupid and you don't want to know better. And so... Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Like, it's there. If you want to learn, you can Google. But for me, sex positivity is really like you have the right to your own sexual identity. You have the right to engage in sexual activity that is safe, sane, consensual between, you know, adults and things like that. Um, That you have the right to enjoy what you enjoy, right? Mm -hmm. So... You shouldn't be ostracized because you like people of the same gender or same sex, or because you are attracted to all people, right? Like right. me. Or because you like certain things being shoved up your butt. Like, right. it's okay. Right. <laughs> like, you should be able to do that. If you're a sex worker, if you you should be able to do those things. And so the sex positive movement believes that sexual liberation is the key to women's liberation. Mm. Because women are treated the way we are because we are women in, right. you know, in right. these bodies. I
3: feel like that's something that, like, as you get older as a man, because I grew up, you know, West Philly in mm-hmm. the 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. And it was men ruin this and, and yeah. women. A woman was supposed to carry herself a yeah. certain way. But as you got, as I got older, I realized, I'm like... We're literally the same. We want the same Mm -hmm. things. We have the same sexual appetite.
1: Why is it that that you guys are supposed to suppress yours? Right, right. You know? And I think it's really interesting because Philly is an interesting case study. So wherever you find high poverty, you find a lot of May December relationships. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll find very young women with older men. Let me just
3: interject too. Also, it was the very, like the Muslim yes, like it, yes, you know, right.
1: So there's there's that part of course, mm-hmm. but also in high poverty because the the women are taught the best way for you to get out this is to find a man to take care mm-hmm. of you. So they tend to be attracted to the older, men. Well, not attracted, but they seek out the older men. But the problem is the old. Men seeking out these younger girls to mm. manipulate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that Philly is an interesting um, study on that and this kind of societal norms about gender, sex, things like that. It's,
3: it's all so complicated, <laughs> right? But
1: I, you know, this yeah. is the stuff that I think about. I, I yeah. if you're you not going to s- come to me you, uh, on that you level, you said you like younger men now
3: too. I do. Uh-oh. Yeah, what is that about? Is that just um, you what, know how young are we talking? <laughs> oh God, it's 35. Like, are we washed? Am I washed <laughs> at 35? <laughs> It's funny how it flips
1: because before I was the, you know what I mean? I was the 20-something that they, the older ladies, now
3: I'm just like, yeah. No,
1: no, you're not washed. I won't go under 30. Um, Okay. So for me, the limit is like 30. And I say that, but it's a certain kind of 30. Like, you can't be stupid. Right. You got to be smart. You got to have maybe some grays in your beard. Like, a prematurely gray, I'll take that. But no, you know what I found? I I like people, period. But I found that, um, particularly with my generation, I'm speaking specifically about my generation, there, we are the first single mom generation. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of hurt and pain that has been transferred mm-hmm. from those mothers of the 70s mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that men were affected in ways that are different from how women have mm-hmm. been. And so that lack of you know, whatever support that the mom needed perhaps made her harder. Mm -hmm. angrier Mm -hmm. things that were coming out on her Mm -hmm. and so we have an entire generation of men some are well adjusted but I have found that there are a lot of deep issues that they just have not had the space. So we're talking like 35, 45, Mm -hmm. and 50 even. Mm -hmm. They just never reconciled a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm like, I get it, bro, and I I support you, whatever, but (laughs) I'm not going to date you because I don't want that. And I used to, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I don't want to absorb that. So what I find is that a lot of um, younger men, they're just so happy to be me. Yeah. me. <laughs> they're just so happy to have my attention. They're yeah. like, whatever oh, you want me to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, groupies are real. Yes. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. My groupies love being oh, called yeah. groupies too. Cause I'll, I'll talk about them all the time and they'd be like, yes, I'm right here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no here. Shame. I am a group. I know shame. And I think that, you know, I, I had a whole video where I talked about the sexism and groupie groupieism because people assume that groupies are always women chasing after men with money. And I'm like, y'all don't seem to understand that. Like, Women like me have dudes who every single day will show up and mm. be like, "I love you, mm. I want you, I want right. to take you out, mm. I want to be around you." Yes, and I'm like, "That's awesome." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, I kind of, I kind of love it. Um, sure. But I, I find that younger men are just kind of more eager to learn and please, mm. and I'm all about. You better please me. Yes. So <laughs> that's it. I don't way. want no back talk. Yeah. I don't want your complications. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> show I, just, I need you to just show up, eat this food that I made you, be happy with it, and adore me for the rest of the night. And that's that's right. kind of where I am going I into it. 40. Nice. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> so you seem empowered with those. You seem empowered. Coming out with your sexuality, maybe. right? Maybe.
1: That, that was a journey. But,
0: like, yeah, like, that was totally. I mean, a you're a woman of color. Yes. You're coming out. In the BDSM world, yeah, like, yeah. what was that like? Like, oh the, man, that had to cause tremendous anxiety, I would think. Um,
1: ha, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> now that now that you make me think, damn, <laughs> the well. I never thought about that. Um, I've been in this lifestyle for twenty years. Mm-hmm. And the first time, my first experience was with an abusive person, which is why I wrote "Push the Button." I wanted to show the difference between consensual participation in that lifestyle and abusers who hide behind it, which is what Christian Grey was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't let that deter me because it was like, no, this actually is what you like, mm-hmm. but this person was bad. Right. Um, and so over time, really evolving and growing and really building within the community. Community is amazing. Mm. Any ostracized people tend to be really tight-knit, yeah. right? It's like right. You, you are marginalized, you find your safe spaces, and you build community, and I love that. Mm. Um, so when I wrote the book, I had people that were elders in the leather community and BDSM were just like, thank you. We needed our story told. We needed to be represented because nobody has. And so that was key to me. And so coming out as somebody, I was like, I often say to people, I'm like, how many black feminists do y'all know that talk about BDSM on social media? Right. Name them. Right. right, So it was a, a niche for me, a branding, right? It mm. became, and I became an expert of that, right? So people began calling me to speak mm. and to talk more and to lecture and to, right. you know, so that, that empowered me. It made me feel safer. Like, people know. So, like, we just had an event um, for Black Kingsters, and I'm there, and I'm just here to enjoy myself, just kind of like, oh, I want to get my nasty on. I got my whips. I got my ropes. I'm ready to go. Where's the food? You know? And then I have people who are coming up to me, and they're just like, oh, my God you're here with us. Mm. Like, oh oh my God, I've been following you for years. Oh my God, I can't believe that you're here. Or thank you so much for everything that you do for us. And then afterwards, messages, I didn't want to interrupt you. I know you were just having your fun, but I want to say thank you Mm. for being in this space with us. The affirmation there, that's activism. Yes. That's activism. Just being present is Mm. activism and saying, ain't nothing wrong with what you're doing, baby. Right. Because someone like me likes it too. Yeah. You know, so.
3: Do you, do you, if you don't mind me asking, are you sub, dom, or switch? Let me tell you something. Or is that
1: made up stuff? No, it's not made up. Okay, I used That was to... such a better question than the one I <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. But I want to hear yours though. though. What was yours? <laughs> no? Do reefs first. I'll come, okay, no, I'll do mine, okay. But so it I, be the big disappointment. I used to, I used be to, like Id- so. I used to identify as a switch. Okay. And, you know, I would find myself more dominant with women mm. and more submissive with men. And mm. I realized that was internalized patriarchy mm. and this nonsense. Cause the truth is, is that I am, I don't have a submissive bone in my body mm. and it was more person based. Right. Like I, I really felt this way about this person. So I wanted right. to do these things. Right. But outside of that, <laughs> I'd be like, fuck you, Who are you talking yeah, right, to. Right, right, right. So no, I fully, I'm full Dom. No, I'm solely like, that's all I want from life is to be a Dom. Right. <laughs> and, It is the best thing ever. (laughs) How did this journey? Because I I just read today you
0: wrote a piece called I'm a Slave. so So I was. So how did this journey
1: happen? So again, when you identify as a switch, you're somebody who finds comfort in these different spaces and in these different roles. And so at that time with that person, that is exactly what I was. And so I was writing from that place of truth. And it helped me actually better embrace my dom side because I knew what I was looking for as a slave, you know, as a sex slave or whatever, however they titled it. Um, But I knew what I would want and so anybody that would want to come and engage me like that, how would I want them to be treated? You know, how would I want to be treated? So it's helped me, but no, I just kind of had this like reawakening and just kind of like, no, why are you lying, bitch? You ain't no dancer. <laughs> you ain't submitting to nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ain't nobody fitting to tell your ass what to do. Right. So, no, I, I definitely am, you know, definitely a dumb. Okay. Right. And I'm happy to say this is the first show and mm-hmm. public space that mm-hmm. I'm saying this. Oh, congratulations. So this so feels so great. great. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Thank you. How, how do you get past like that, that sort of natural, I almost think, self-consciousness? when you're discussing things of that, I nature. don't have self-consciousness okay. when it comes to that I don't
1: okay. I've been talking about this for so long mm-hmm. because right. part, that's the activism of it right mm-hmm. is to be here to be real to be open mm-hmm. and all I'm going to hear from people after this is thank you for saying this thing that I couldn't say right so that's part of who I am mm-hmm. and I love that I love that that I can give voice to people who feel silenced and hopefully, it encourages them to speak up. For yeah, sure.
2: and, that, and that's what that's that's the thing I had that wasn't quite as good as reach. <laughs> but uh, in, in the in the summary of the book, mm-hmm. the push the button yes. book, um, you had said it explores the side of the BDSM lifestyle that often goes
1: ignored. The normal Yes, mm-hmm. I get up, I brush my teeth every day, I iron my clothes, I shower, I do my hair, I go to work, mm-hmm. I work with people of all ages. I, you know, I'm happy. I. Go to mixers and mm-hmm. things like that. I do presentations. I do activism work, and when I have the time, I indulge in this particular thing that makes me sexually happy. Mm-hmm. You like what you do in your bedroom behind your closed doors. I like what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. How, why are we different? Yeah. You know, we're we're not mm-hmm. like oh you thought you 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 blindfolded your partner. How is that different? Like right. you had a little fun. Right. So, you,
0: so you're not going to work. I in think full it's leather. Always, yeah. and
1: I don't even like leather. I just wrote a piece where I was like, I'm. I don't do well in leather like uh, and I respect the leather community no, but I'm like fair. I am no. but i it chafes my thighs I just don't see it i'm I actually am very much like a, a high court queen like I mm. wear like pretty frilly things nice, when nice, I walk around nice. and I'm like worship me you know? yeah. <laughs> um with my whip yeah. but I'm also the I, i'm Anyway, we're going. We're going. We're going. We're going. We need another so round far. of drinks over <laughs> here.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. We're going so far in, but it's like oh. no. But on, But honestly, Shoot, it's, it's getting re- hot in here. It yeah. is. But honestly, it's really like we are people, mm-hmm. and so I want to show that this couple is—they're people. They love. It's not just about, Mm -hmm. let's meet here so I can beat you. It's, I love you. Let's get married. Let's meet the family. Let's do all these things. But we still have this life going on.
3: I've always felt anyone that was uncomfortable with what anyone was doing behind closed doors or in their own life, it's, they're a fucking square? Like you're a weirdo. There's like I don't some, care what you know some what I mean. Like happening and, and, there. And, and 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 sex is like it's the best thing ever. So like do whatever you want. And or
1: or you're repressed <laughs> it, and you're 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 envious yeah. of those that get to that's live all it freely. Is. And think so, about all those
3: Republicans that are like against lot, all that and they always get caught all, in the bathroom. Yeah, yes. That's you know a mean?
1: lot of the backlash that I think that I get is people who are envious of my freedom mm. and how free I am because they wish they could be and they're not. Right. And so they kind of get like oh, hey. who, who does she think? She is yeah. to say that thing that's so gross, and I'm like, but you do that thing, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. So, you are watch, you, you you watch gross? videos of that thing, right? You pay for that, right?
1: I got it for free, yeah.
3: Um, so you, you are a social worker. Um, my son is a nonverbal autistic and the last three years dealing with the social work scene mm. in Philadelphia has been hell on earth mm-hmm. for me and my I wife. I can imagine. Um, what is it that you see that needs to be changed and can be changed or do you feel like it's just too far gone?
1: Didn't they lose their license the other I year? I mean, like,
3: <laughs> you know, my mom like works for the, the Philadelphia <laughs> Prevention it Partnership. but it just it It seems like it's
1: always a struggle for people that need it the most. Absolutely. And that's just the, the name of the game. But Philly definitely suffers um, desperately and like, it's a... <laughs> It's, it's sad. I'm not licensed here. I have no interest in being licensed here or to do that kind of work because I'm like, nah, I can't do it. I am do more administrative stuff now. Right. Um, it's just so bad. And I feel awful because of the high poverty rate, because of the need here, because of the fact that this 44% black city with a 26% poverty rate, you can't tell me these things are not connected and the, the, the horrible like stuff that goes on in some of the schools you got teachers in there that are fighting tooth and nail to do the best and they're meeting these obstacles and it's like come on let them do their job you have people that are fighting gun violence in the street I'm like don't ever let people tell you Philly folks ain't fighting back they are, you know they're trying so hard and it's like where is the support for what they're doing and then with the social services and things like that it's just like it's it's, I always say this, you feel like you're emptying an ocean with a teaspoon, right? You're There's so much to do. And what I just try to tell people is find your lane and drive that shit hard. Because if everybody just kind of did that in their own spaces, we could really get some stuff done. You have a new book that's coming yes, out next year I'm so happy <laughs> right, so I wrote that. my BDSM book right. I wrote a poetry, poetry book <laughs> and now I'm writing about black feminism nice. and then I'm going to write the book about hip hop okay um, no this book is called Reclaiming Our Space um, definitely after you know reclaiming our time like I'm reclaiming my time Maxine mm. Waters mm. But I, I I wanted to write a book about the work that modern black feminists are doing and black women are doing, because I feel like we need to document this. Like we need as much documentation of what's happening. This is a very unique scene. We between Black Lives Matter, the National Moment Silence, all these different movements and organizations that are being run by black women, particularly black feminist women, the hashtags that are coming up, the movements and all of that stuff. It's all a lot of it is really coming from us. Most of it is coming from us. And I'm like who better to write about it than someone who has been, like, there from the beginning, right? And I got to write about people that I love and respect. I got to write about my own journey. I got to write about our connection to the Kumbahi River Collective, which was a collective of black feminist uh, lesbian women who got together and came with this missive, like, we ain't taking your shit. That's the summary. That's the cliff notes of the Kumbahi River Collective. We ain't no longer taking your shit. But kind of like how that influenced us, how Angela Davis and Bell Hooks and all these folks influenced us and how we're kind of torchbearers. Mm. But social media, how we've used digital spaces Mm. to create community and change the world. And so I'm writing all about that. And not just American, like black women around the the world, South Africa, Kenya, things like that. Um, It was really fun to write. Um, It's humorous. Um, I'm very tongue in cheek. Mm. I curse a lot. It's very street. It's called. It's basically reclaiming our space, how black feminists are changing the world from the tweets to the streets. I wanted it to be a book that, you know, the high school girl with the headphones on the bus who just got street harassed can, like, lose herself in it and just feel empowered. For sure. I want the girl that's going to her first feminism class who will learn about Gloria Steinem and all the others, but I want them to learn about... You know, Feminista Mm -hmm. Jones and Mm -hmm. Jamila and Trudy and you know all these people. Um, I want it to be the older white woman who's just like, I just want to learn. I'm here to learn. I want to learn. I want to learn, and I want to give you money on your PayPal. Like I want, I I want her to read this and be like, I have a better understanding now, and I want all the women that are out there doing this work every day to feel affirmed and seen. Yeah. It's like a lot of times this goes unrecognized and you know, I'm like, I see you right. and I'm here with you. So yeah. I'm excited, it comes out in January, it's on Beacon Press.
2: Are right, we ready for the Philly blunt portion of the program? No. Yep. Oh, yeah. What's right. this? What's we're, this? Just gonna, we're just gonna Rapid throw questions. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Is yep. it
1: one questions. word answers or what is, what's happening? No, 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 whatever just, you're feeling. Yeah. Just come back with whatever you're feeling. Okay. okay.
3: All right, Reef. Start us off. Fucking versus lovemaking—is that a thing? And which one do you prefer? It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I read you—you uh, you wrote a piece about the um,
0: the end of the duets. Mm. Uh, or the death of the duet. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I work for a small record label, so mm-hmm. we may be able to work this out, but mm-hmm. who would be your dream duet partner?
1: Prince.
2: Uh, what's a book that you read that changed your life?
1: Um, the Bible, because I don't believe that shit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> best thing about Philly, best thing about New York?
1: Best thing about Philly is the kindness. Mm-hmm. People here are just kind. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what anybody says. Best thing about New York, everything you need is there. Mm.
0: So we're, I'm on the same page here. Pizza, New York or Philly?
1: New York, come on now. Boo, <laughs> boo, Come on now. No, <laughs> New York. Most overrated hip-hop artist of all time. Most overrated hip-hop artist of all time. Overrated. Oh, shit. Um, overrated. Probably Fabulous.
3: Mm. That dude I- is
1: awful. <laughs> <laughs> my homegirl home was like, yo, Fabulous be having a fly's gear, and he he's still a black in it. Awful. awful. <laughs> um, definitely probably Fabulous. Um, or like someone like that. Jawel. Right. You know. right, right, right.
3: Favorite fried chicken spot?
1: My house.
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. Do you like horror movies? I That's my favorite genre. All right.
2: Friday the 13th or Halloween? The the Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: <laughs>
1: Nightmare on Elm Street it is? Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, three people living or dead that you'd most want to have dinner with, dinner party.
1: A dinner party, living or dead. Um, it would have to be Ella Baker, activist woman, inspires me. Um, my mom, she passed away. Um, and oh wow, um, Frederick Douglass, so I could be like. How you end up with that white lady? <laughs> <laughs> At the audit, yeah. third glass
0: Started. of
2: wine,
1: like, like I'm gonna, gonna yeah, break it down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, probably Frederick or Malcolm. Although Malcolm, I think, would talk too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's my hero. It's the god, right? But he would talk too much. I'd be like, can you shut up and eat and your this bean pie? pie?" This pie <laughs> was made. <laughs>
0: Who is uh, one person we should all read, weekly, daily? Me.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Present company excluded.
1: Oh, that's unfortunate. (laughs) Uh, I mean, we're all reading you already. Thank you. Um, Who should you read? You should be reading Paulo Freire. Mm.
2: Uh, What would you tell your 18-year-old self?
1: Girl, fuck him.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. You about to make the biggest
1: mistake of your life. (laughs) Don't
3: do it. More children or no? No. Well, uh, one place
1: in the world you want to visit. Oh, gosh. I love traveling around the world. Um, I need to go to Ghana to go to the coasts. Yeah. Visit where the ancestors were.
3: Mm. Sheila, sh- uh, Sheila E. or Sheena Easton? Sheila E., of course. Sheena <laughs> Easton. I'm just, I'm, just I'm, ramb-
1: I'm rambling off right now. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, didn't Sheila play on Don't Stop Till You Get Enough and Didn't Get Credit? Mm. Like, Sheila E. is
0: like... It, I believe it. Yeah. Sometimes I see you use a hashtag hidden gems. Yeah. Give us a Philly hidden gem that you found.
1: Philly hidden gem. Yeah. So I'm doing like this restaurant review I'm using on on Instagram. Please find that. A hidden gem would be D's Caribbean on 22nd and Fox Street. Mm. It's a Caribbean spot. I've never seen portions like this. The small is huge. Small curry chicken. You get three sides. Huge. $8. Damn. I made three meals out of that joint and it's good. Okay. They put their foot in that oh my gosh like it's so good so affordable right there yes gotta go gotta go all right. Well, we want to thank you so much for oh, joining us. Thank What's, you. Uh, oh, I hope you no. enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. This is so fun, and I'm so happy that you guys invited me. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming oh, here. And, um, well, what, uh, what socials do you have? Oh, so I'm Feminista Jones Everywhere. Okay. Um, but Facebook, they shut me down for, like, the fake name thing. They were like, well, your name is fake, and so yeah, whatever. Yeah, I got, I got you, that too. you had to deal yeah. with that? Yeah. Oh, to hell with them. So on um, Facebook, it's Feminista Jones Official. But everywhere else, it's Feminista Jones, all one word. You can find me. Definitely go to reclaimingourspace.com to learn more about the book and how you can pre-order it or, you know, get mm-hmm. it. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm here. So.
0: Well, a shout out to Saltown Tavern. Yeah. And shout and out really to yes. Saltown. Yeah, it's a great bar. I mean, love Dutch
1: it here. I feel like I'll be coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I trying love Trying to it. bring
0: diversity and unity to no, Tycone. I love it. I love it's it. a
3: good spot. So, thank you. Thank, so uh, a mission. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so
1: thank
3: much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's the sound of Philadelphia.